hello, my name's Penny Ferguson and I'm uh, founder and CEO of The Living Leader. And I'm the person who 25 years ago designed the personal leadership program um, that has now had, I don't know, something between 60 and 70,000 people go through um, across the world and it's been translated into five languages and had a pretty unusual impact, I think, on quite a lot of people. Touched a lot of lives, I think. Which, of course, I feel um, pretty delighted and very proud about. And the interesting thing is, the more that I um, deliver the programme, which I still do myself personally, um, occasionally, not very often now, but I do, um, I don't think until I really began to deliver the programme, I realised how incredibly important leadership is. I don't think when I first started delivering the programme, I really, really understood personal leadership. And it's through working with clients that I have learned so much and realised that if you can really get leadership, not just at a head level, but at a heart level, it can change your life personally and professionally. So I'm really very passionate about leadership. So these uh, podcasts are a series of um, opportunities where I can share with you the thoughts of some of the people that I rate really, really highly in business who have, yeah, they've all attended the program, some of them on numerous occasions when they've moved from one company to another and asked us to come and do it again. But they're all people who have begun to take leadership, as I said earlier, not just a head, but at a heart level. They really want to be that sort of individual who leads in every part of their life. So I have been lucky enough to not just have them as clients, most of them have become friends as well, um, but they've given up their time to have a conversation with me uh, so that it can be shared with other people in the hopes that that might give some insights and ideas to people who are uh, either listening to this or watching it. So the person I'm speaking to today is a lady called Anna Keeling. And when I first met her, she was one of the members of the top team at GKN um, Aerospace, or it was actually then GKN Group. It was just literally just before that it was uh, taken over. So uh, after that, she was headhunted and she's now gone in as the managing director of Boeing Defence, which is a pretty big job. And uh, I've met her a few times since and she's absolutely loving it and has, again, brought in her style of leadership um, to Boeing. So I thoroughly enjoyed talking to her. She's a lovely lady. And I hope you enjoy talking to her and get some useful insights as well. Hi, Anna. Hi, Penny. Thanks so much for coming to talk to me about leadership, about the program, giving your time and coming to do this. And I'm really, really grateful. Um, first, just general question, what does leadership mean for you? It used to mean a lot of things. Um, that definition is a little bit more simple these days, <laughs> I think. And quite frankly, um, it simply means being honest with yourself. So I gave this some thought. Um, it, there's lots of great terms like, you know, taking people with you and, and having charisma and setting direction and on and on. But unless you're honest with yourself 
and, and who you are and, and how you interact with people, how they experience you, I'm not sure you, you can really be a great leader or let's say an authentic leader. Um, and absolutely, you know, I, I do want to take people with me in my leadership. Um, but what Living Leader has made me realize is that in order to do that, I need to give them the freedom of choice to follow. And that's a very different place to be for me right now. How much do you think the impact of the last few years in a business that frankly um, has not demonstrated leadership in any way, shape or form, what impact do you think that's had on you? I think twofold, if I want to simplify it. Um, firstly, I think it put at threat my authentic self. Okay. And that only really became apparent through the program, through the interactions in the program, the reflections, the materials covered. Um, and, and obviously I didn't realize that that was happening because it's so easy to mirror the environment that you're in. And it chips away at you day by day. Um, so, so firstly, it really put at threat that authentic self. Um, secondly, I think it, it caused me to develop um, defense mechanisms that, that really weren't constructive, um, which added pressure to, to being authentic um, and, and just being true to my values, to, to who I am as a person. Um, so it's really those two things that um, the program helped me identify. It is interesting. You said something there that I think is just so fascinating and I think so often people don't, can't understand how it can happen. And when you said it's mirroring, mm. and that is when you get somebody who's totally, totally counter-cultural, mm -hmm. they don't demonstrate leadership, but you're almost not aware of it. You begin to react to the way they are, and then you begin to acquire those characteristics without even knowing mm. you're doing it. And I think the way you described it, because as you know, uh, authenticity is one of the most key things for a leader. Mm. If, if not it, the number one, uh, it's very close to being the most important. So how quickly do you think you've been able to step back into being authentic again? I think it, it's taken a little bit of time and I don't think it would have been um, you know, as dynamic a period of time without the program itself. Three to four months, quite honestly, um, because it takes time for the material to, to filter through. You don't always absorb everything the first time. And it was just a, a really refreshing Saturday morning when I woke up and realized um, this is me and I think I'm, you know, in a different place, I've moved through a very difficult chapter in my life or a challenging chapter. So, so I would say three, three to four months, um, but I could have missed it. I think that's the risk. I really could have missed it. So just to go back to the mirroring, because it's such a gradual process, and again, uh, there's lots of leadership material out there which says, make it or fake it till you make it, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, that, that mirroring is, is something which is natural, um, that there are different cultures, different environments. We talk about different leadership styles. Yeah. And, and all of those things um, made it all too easy for me to think 
that it was okay. Um, and, and that's why I think, you know, after a three-year period of, of being exposed to a particular style, yep. you know, three to four months isn't actually that bad. I think it's really good. And it, I think it's having the courage to wake up and say, my God, I have acquired this, not trying to back away from it, but saying, oh my God, I can see that I've stepped away from this. And one of your colleagues, who, as you know, is going through the program at the moment, he got some amazing feedback mm. Uh, at the end of the day two, when somebody looked at him and said, welcome back. Wow. And, you know, he'd recognized, mm. he's had the courage to be very open and said, I, you know, I got it wrong. I acquired exactly those characteristics because you were in a similar situation. Mm. Uh, but somebody actually just said to him, welcome back. And yeah, that's I, great. I think it was a bit special that he got that as well. And, and it was that sort of experience um, that Saturday morning. I can't tell you the date, but you, you do. You just um, you wake up one day and and you know that you're at the you know the other end of the tunnel, and you just feel different again. Mm. And it was great just to feel me and and to see that experience for what it was, and I think to learn from it in a different way because I could have learned from it in the wrong way. Yeah, and it, unfortunately that's too easy to do as well without even knowing. So tell me, it, you've done it, God, you, you've observed the program several times, but not the full program. You observed the GM's program a couple of times, or did you do it, I don't know. So I did participate in the GM's program, and, and I don't want to lie, but it was at least twice, if yeah. not three times. Yeah. But it was an abriefed version, so yeah. a day and a half. Yeah. So you've now done the three-day version, yes. okay. Tell me, what are the bits that for you resonated the most? There were many, there were many. I think the most powerful um, is, is the very simple model of stimulus and response. And I neglected to mention that one to you earlier. Um, and, and that's really, I think, been my biggest insight, especially given you know, the three-year period of a certain type of leadership we've spoken about. The fact that I have a choice to assess my situation, my environment, and what that environment is, is you know, firing at me, providing me with. Um, that was probably the most impactful. Um, I'm in a new role right now, uh, which is a business transformation role. And it is a newly created role for GK and Aerospace, so there really aren't any parameters. Uh, there's very certainly uh, an objective. To, to improve business performance, and, and it's the, you know, the financial business performance primarily. But uh, there are, I think, two other models which are really helping me think through how I approach the role. And, and I've almost had a little bit of a restart on the role recently, and I'll explain in a moment. Um, so Hertzberg's model, of course, because for me personally, I needed to understand certain hygiene factors uh, related to the role. Yeah, you do. 
I'm building a team, I'm onboarding some people. It's a very small team today, but again, that model is providing me with, with good insight uh, to have those discussions, not just fundamentally what people need in the role, but more importantly around those motivational factors yeah. because the role of transformation is, is so ill-defined within the organization today. Yeah. So that's been extremely useful. And then, of course, uh, the second model, which I know you'll remind me the name of, is what I call the INO model. Yeah, integral performance model. Yeah. Right. So looking at organizational factors and individual factors. Um, and I think that with the Hertzberg model, they complement each other quite nicely. Uh, because with Hertzberg's model, I can have a very personal discussion with people about their uh, role. And then with the INO model, we can talk about how that role fits within the broader context of transformation of the organization. What do we need in terms of systems and structures? How are we going to you know, make these, these roles and our objectives credible? But then how do we ensure we take the organization with us? Uh, because fundamentally, it's all about change. If you take the Hertzberg model and turn it on its side, everything that's below the line, the hygiene mm -hmm. factors, goes on the O side. Then everything that's above the line, uh, the motivators, go on the I side. So they're absolutely 100% mm -hmm. link. Yes. 100%. As a matter of curiosity, you've been through and you've seen a few of the people who've been through the program. How much are you beginning to see behavior change? Dramatic. Um, and obviously you see more changes with the people that you work with very closely. Yeah. Um, and, and so I've had my executive assistant on the program and I'm absolutely thrilled for her. I mean, we've been doing a lot of work together in the professional context, um, but she's faced some you know, personal challenges at home and the program has made a tremendous difference for her um, in, in the relationship with her husband who, who's been going through some health issues recently. And so she's just a much happier person at work. Uh, you know, she's more focused, uh, she's definitely more at ease. Um, and, and that's not to say, you know, she's, she's always been very professional, but it's just lovely to see her uh, so much more at peace uh, within herself and, and, and having that harmony both at home and at work. Um, I've recently onboarded a uh, financial controller to okay. the team. Uh, this is someone I haven't known very well, um, an individual that comes to us from, from the previous GKN group. Uh, so we're building a working relationship. Uh, she's trying to get her head around a new, a new role. Um, you know, she has personal, uh, a personal style also. And I think the program has given us a common language and one that we found a lot sooner. Um, she's quite uh, a reflective individual and, and I'm finding her bringing forward, you know, models, ideas, concepts from the course itself as a way of building her role, as a way of, you know, talking about objectives. Um, yeah, so it's been a great foundation for us. Well, the thing that I'd really like to ask you, because I found this absolutely fascinating, uh, having personally run the program for you and the transformation team, you've got hugely different cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, England and USA, UK and USA, versus mm -hmm. the Netherlands. And Sweden. And Sweden. Mm -hmm. I mean, unbelievably yeah. different. So how do you see 
because that's that's almost a microcosm of how it could be. How do you see that working now that you've all begun to get a common understanding of the way we're looking at leadership? I think in the short amount of time between having completed the program, even the first two days, okay. um, and now our interaction is a marked difference in how we operate as a team. Um, again, I'll, I'll say what I say before, it's given us a common language. Yeah. Uh, especially when we have so many different cultures. Um, it's given us a way of being with one another. Uh, the communication model was really instrumental because of course we can refer to, you know, are we in the blue, are we in the green, are we in the red? So I think what's actually happening is we're using the material from the model, the, the insight uh, from the conversations, uh, just the experience of, of really diving deep and getting to know one another as people to create a new team environment and using that common experience as the basis for that team environment and culture, you could say, rather than just trying to bridge some of the differences which uh, were apparent, but, but the scale of those differences wasn't really apparent until we started to have the conversation around living leader. So I think it's been, it's been yeah, fantastic and people recognize it as well. So after the very first uh, team meeting, and it was a phone team meeting that we had post the program, okay. um, one of the colleagues uh, towards the end simply made the observation, wow, this is already a very different dialogue. You know, this is already a very different way of being with one another and understanding one another. Um, and I think if we hadn't done the program, we would not have been as clear as we are right now, you know, maybe four weeks post-program about what it is that we want to accomplish as a team, you know, how we want to be with one another, how we want to open up the scope of the transformation, because we just know so much more about one another and our strengths. Um, and we can leverage all of that in, in creating these roles. So actually what you're saying here is that there's another bit of the program that for you was very powerful and that's the first one, the introductions. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, I've had the luxury, as I've said, of um, experiencing parts of the program previously which probably made the full three days uh, very powerful for me as a leader. But what's really surprised me is, is how it's resonated with the other team members, given that they come from such diverse backgrounds, yeah. not only cultural, but in their roles. I have finance people, I have true transformation people who have worked with culture. Uh, or process transformation. I have people who are operational leaders, who are commercial leaders, who are HR leaders. So it's such a diverse team. And I think, yeah, the impact that it's had on those people is, is one of the, you know, the, the great values that I got out of the program. How important do you think it is that you experienced it all together? Uh, I think the answer is obvious. Um, it's essential. And in fact, I, I do have um, some issues that I need to work through because there were some key members who, for very good reasons, weren't able to be there. And so the question is, how do you now bring those individuals into the fold? Um, because as I said, there's, there's been a, 
a formative process that took place over those three days. Mm. Uh, the first two days and then, you know, having that space to reflect and experiment and try aspects of the program between those two days and the day three, it really started to solidify for us how we want to move forward. And now I've got, you know, one or two people uh, that I need to try and somehow bring on that journey. And we can certainly put them on other programs, yeah. but I'm fully aware of the fact that that experience will be with a different team, um, you know, a different group of people. Some of those personal stories that will be shared will be different. Those individuals will not have heard our collective stories. Um, so it's, I think it's really important that teams do it together, that they do it physically, and that people really just try to, um, you know, uh, overcome any sort of logistical issues to ensure people are present. This is a really interesting one, and it is really interesting. Um, actually, I, I think I'm almost hearing a belief going on for you that it's going to be really difficult. Get them through as quickly as possible and then the minute they've been through it, then get together the whole team together, and then you throw the question out, which you're very good at. Okay, if we knew that we can really now pull together as one big team, what do we all need to do to help all of us feel one team, not three people and the rest of the team? Mm. What do we need to do? And see what they come up with and say, okay, let's do that right now. Let's each share something about ourselves. Let's do something mm. to help us come together as a team. But they need to know what you're aiming for, so getting them through quickly. But it's really interesting. One of the things, um, because as you know, we're talking about rolling this further down the organization. And there's occasionally mistakes made. I would absolutely agree at the senior levels, having teams going through together is really important. Mm. So, for example, if I'm running a top team program, which has got the CEO and the managing directors of divisions, um, that's normally what might happen. The next level down, the managing directors will nearly always do it immediately mm. a second time around, which is in effect what we're doing with Gavin right now and yes. with you. And they do it with their teams. So they do it a second time very quickly. After that, we say, if you stay together with teams, you are likely to end up with big problems. Yeah. So, for example, when we did it out in uh, direct energy, and I think the first division was direct energy business, uh, and it was based in Pittsburgh. And what they did was they trained 12 trainers, and they then put out dates for the pilot programs. And they said, here are the pilot programs sign up to one of them when there's eight people on it for a pilot you can't have more than eight newly qualified trainer eight's enough once there's eight on it it's full book yourself in another one so they all got on they were full would you believe within 24 hours because yeah. message had gone out this is amazing get on yeah. it but then it's down to the manager to be able to say to their teams okay once you've all been through it let me know and then what they do is ask one of the trainers to come in and do half a day pulling it all together. Mm. Another company we worked in, who at this point will remain nameless, they said, no, no, all the way down, it has to be um, teams. And because they couldn't get their trainers trained quickly enough, they said, would we kick it off with the first 500 people? So we ended up with, well, it was meant to be 50, 54 programs. 
had to be teams. You cannot believe how many were cancelled at the last minute. They wanted to change dates, rearrange dates. Somebody was off sick, somebody was called to a meeting, they couldn't make it. Team's not complete, do another one. They ended up, and this is no exaggeration, with about 60 grand's worth of cancellation fees. Oh. They wouldn't listen, mm. and they said, no, it's down to the manager to pull it together, but if you always go for integrated teams, you're gonna have a problem. And sometimes you get real opportunities, because people from other divisions suddenly begin to understand some of the challenges they're having in that division. Oh my God, I'm always whinging about you, but I never knew you had that. So it's really mm. interesting to think of the different ways that it can be used. Now for you, pulling together such a diverse group from all different areas, culturally, different functions, different mm. everything, absolutely right, a team. Mm. And it's a newly formed team, new everything. But further down, not certain. And I agree with you. I, I can absolutely see the logic. Um, and you know, as we make our way through this journey with GKN, one of the recommendations that I really want to make to the organization is, is exactly that. Because, I mean, this program has a real power to change culture, influence culture, or at least be an element of whatever culture an organization wants to choose. Yeah. I think it's that powerful. Yeah. So um, I, I agree with you that the best way to have that impact is actually then just to leverage you know diversity within the organization and have very different groups of people coming together because as i said one of the key strengths for the program for me was giving people this common language and a common experience and if if you if you really want to impact an organization rather than just a level or a team then you want to do as much mixing as possible so that very different people from different parts of the organization or just people that you know might work in the same facility but not interact on a daily basis are given that common language, are given that, um, that common experience. So, so it can actually you know, help in many different ways, whether it's um, you know, engagement, for example, you know, it has that aspect whether it's, like I said, supporting a cultural journey that you want to take within the organization. So I absolutely agree. I would, I would definitely mix as you go further down the organization. It's fascinating. Um, mm. I mean, we hate charging cancellation fees, but that, that really almost wound me up. I thought, please, will they just hear and listen? And it has to be integrated teams. And it was a shame because I think they missed opportunities there. But it was. I learned so much when I was working with that team of yours very recently. I honestly had no idea at all that the culture from the Sweden and the Netherlands was so utterly different. And where I heard examples, and I'd be interested to know how you think you're going to work with this differently, there's one area where you've got a boss of a team which is half from the Netherlands and Sweden and half from USA mainly USA, UK. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And certainly the ones who are there are feeling incredibly frustrated because they feel the person above isn't understanding it. How do you think that you are working that enables those two very disparate cultures to pull together? It's, it's a good question. Um, I think what the program has enabled us to do is identify those exact blind spots. Um, now, you know, I think we all 
believe once we get to a certain level in our career where experienced leaders you know we've um, you know we've seen a lot we've um, we, we've you know been met with different challenges but on this occasion I have to admit I had some blind spots and that for example was one of them and unless you have the awareness you can't address the issue so, so the very first thing is I, I feel you know much more empowered now that I have that awareness. Um, it is about having the right discussions with those people. So I can't afford to move forward in this transformation where I have a key leader who also interfaces with people from this team uh, not, to, not to have gone through that program or at yeah. least not to make the time to understand you know, what the program is about. So, so just like you talked about, you know, how do I now move forward and probably even leverage my team to bring into the fold those one or two individuals who weren't able to be there with us. I can, I can use the strength of that team now and the insight that we've collectively gained to help manage these other stakeholders until such a time, because I think it is our intent yeah. actually to have this leader go through it. Um, and, and it just sort of, you know, brings something else to light. We can, you know, manage up in the organization, the people who I lead, who, who then report, um, you know, hard line, we're a matrix organization, so they will report in a hard line to other leaders in the organization. You know, I can give them all the tools I can for managing up. Yeah. But unless we as an organization really look at the situation seriously and say, this has to come from the top. Mm. And there are just some key leaders across the organization who are going to have to go through this program. Um, so, so I think that's, that's two ways uh, th that I can address the issue. Leveraging what we as a team have learned to, to influence and manage those stakeholders. Um, but also, as I said, working now with my CEO, again, to say, we really need to, you know, we need to do this properly from the top. And I know we, we tried and we yeah. had a really accelerated uh, program with the uh, executive team, obviously for circumstances beyond our control. Yeah. Um, but one of the conversations that obviously Gavin and I, my colleague are now having, uh, as he's going through the entire program, we're having yeah. that reflection to say, we just scraped the surface. Yeah. <laughs> and if we really want to be walking the talk, as leaders, we really need to go back and say, right, what do we as an executive team do uh, to, you know, to, to, to correct those, those circumstances beyond our control previously? Well, the first thing you need is to have somebody who's much more skilled, been through the masterclass and keeps the top team aligned. Keeps coming back again and again. Yes. Hang on, what are we doing here? What's the message? Absolutely. Is it all O? Have you remembered how to get people to take ownership? Mm. That's one of the challenges. I have to say one of the things, and I, I was somewhat blown away on the day three on your program, where you had a real meeting, okay, and you chaired it. I would say in all the time I've been delivering this program, I've never seen somebody de deliver as a chairperson as effectively as you did. You were outstandingly Thank you. good. Thank you. Um, whether that's been with you for a long time, whether it's because you've taken more from the program, and now working with it consciously all the time, but it was outstandingly good. 
Thank you. I will put, um, you know, part of that to the program. A lot of this for me has been about choice. I said at the very beginning, you know, what does leadership now mean to me? And, and the idea that, that's sort of coined in my mind as I reflect on the experience about giving people the freedom to make the choice to come with you yeah. rather than, you know, dragging the horse to water. Mm. And you can only do that, I think, if you're confident as a leader. Yeah. And the only way that, that I see you can start that journey of confidence is through, through authenticity. So for me, all of these things are very connected. Um, but Living Leader has, you know, has, has given me the insight to, to, to connect those things, to actually make those connections. I think what I'm really quite amazed by Penny is that, you know, having done the program for the third or fourth time and, and in its entirety, um, it's given me a level of leadership flexibility that I didn't have before. So, so while I, you know, could have said I'm a competent leader and I believe I'm a competent yeah. leader, it has enhanced that competence by giving me that level of what I call leadership flexibility because I can make these connections. And it's, it's you know, helped me enhance my confidence. Yes, I am confident, but it's helped me enhance it. So now I can really stand up in front of people and say, right, this is what I think we're about. What do you think we're about? And how do we arrive at somewhere you know, together? And, and it's even you know, enabled me to have the difficult discussion much easier. If that's not where you want to go, that's fine. I respect your decision, but this is what this team is about. So let's have a different conversation. Maybe there are some other options we can explore for you. But I'm very clear about where it is that we want to go. And I, I've always said in the past, you know, I take no prisoners. Now I really mean it. <laughs> I, I don't take any prisoners. Yeah. And it's not, um, you know, an aggressive discussion. It's not a difficult discussion. It's a really normal discussion. It's very constructive and it allows that individual to make a choice. So I think that's, you know, that's what the program has done for me. How much has it helped you manage upwards? A lot, because with that confidence, I think, with, with that awareness of knowing who you really are about, um, those discussions with, you know, we all have a manager, we all have a yeah. boss, those discussions with my CEO, they're almost peer-to-peer -peer discussions. Um, I mean, they, 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 they should be because, you know, I have respect for him as a leader, but he's a person and, and vice versa. I think by, you know, reflecting that level of confidence, reflecting that level of of authenticity and just being very clear about what I'm about, what this role needs to accomplish, I'm able to give him feedback, which I think he really appreciates. Which is great. Um, and I think I mentioned to you in the program, yes, I'm a mature woman, um, but I feel awfully grown up these days. <laughs> and, and, and that's what's really uh, resonating in those yeah. discussions with my CEO. Um, and, and grown up is, you know, it, it's a nice way of putting it. But I think we can all talk about professional maturity. Yes. You know, that's the right way to talk about it. 
And what I'm seeing in, you know, in my team, what I'm seeing in myself, what I'm seeing in some of my peers who have taken on board the concepts of the program, where now I think, you know, um, leading with a level of professional maturity that we probably didn't have before. That's a great way to think about it. It is, it's lovely. I have to say though, you did impress me on that afternoon. I thought, wow, um, impressive lady, very impressive lady. Perhaps you could not have stopped being the chairperson for the top team. <laughs> God. <laughs> right, let mm. me ask you uh, on the other side. It's called a personal leadership program because it is very much about personal, who I choose to be, as you've just been saying. What impact do you think it can have on personal life? What impact has it had for you? It can have just as much impact. Um, and, and let me maybe sort of tell, tell a bit of a story. Um, so my husband and I went through quite a transformation seven years ago. Um, he experienced some, some health issues which we didn't anticipate. He was a, a fit, healthy young man. Uh, those um, medical challenges resulted in some physical um, you know, transformation. So he, he has a slight incapacity. Um, he had a stroke, let's, let's just be open about it. And yeah, that, that has been difficult, obviously. It'd be difficult for anyone. Uh, let alone in a relationship of, you know, two equals, partners, you know, people working together uh, and people who deeply care for one another. Um, it's been difficult for him, of course, because, you know, he wants to return to a, a place of confidence and, and capability that he was before. And it's been difficult for me because you know, I really want him to get there as quickly as, mm -hmm. as, as he can and I want to support him. And obviously while he's going through this challenging time, um, I want to protect him, quite frankly. So, um, you know, being a leader doesn't stop when you leave the office. And I think that's been one of the other insights that the, the program has given me. That, you know, if you're a leader, um, you can lead in your own personal life just as well as you can do at home. Um, and, and obviously I know, I think I know the question you're going to ask me. Um, it, it's really interesting. I, I talked about professional maturity. It's, you know, it's helped me to have a level of maturity in my relationship that, that I probably forgot I needed to have before um, because yes we are two adults and and like I said I've wanted to care for him and protect him and, and support him and all of those things are very important but the one thing that I think I forgot throughout that process is that he's still a grown man and and he can make his own choices and I think in in trying to set him and us on this path of recovery and, and moving forward and, and building a new future. Um, I didn't always give him the choice. I made some of those decisions for us. And as painful as it was, I think, as difficult as it was, the program helped me, you know, open my eyes to some of those behaviors. And of course, I was doing it for all the right reasons no. in my mind, um, for all the right reasons. And, and that's been a more difficult journey. Yeah. 
um, simply because, you know, things that a worker, it's easier to categorize things at work. It's easier to think about, you know, maturity at work. It's easier to think about decisions. We don't always think that way at home. Um, we simply look at the people around us and know we care for them and we want the best for them. Um, yeah, it's not always the right thing to do. I mean, it is, and obviously I know quite, about, quite a bit about what you've been going through, but when I look back on bringing up my children, I love them so much. And every time they wanted advice or every time they wanted to do something that I thought it's going to be the wrong thing, it's going to be wrong thing according to who, by the way, according mm, to me. Right. It's going to be the wrong thing. You know, they've got other choice they could make. would be much better. Always wanted to tell mm. them. Always wanted mm. to say, no, hang on a minute. What about doing this? No, that's not the right thing. You need to do this. Because you love them so much. Mm. Straightforward management behavior. I yes. think I know what's best for you. Yes. I think I'll tell you the way to go because that's the way that I think is right. Mm. So there's no question I did that. You know, I wish I'd learnt it before I was 50. You mm. know, it would have been great before getting grown <laughs> up. But I didn't. And so you're saying, gosh, I was doing, and that's what you were doing at home. You were loving so much. You're mm. wanting to say, I think you need to do this to get better and that to do better. And if you could do this, that'd work because you love them. Mm. And it's recognizing, mm. but that's management. That's management and that's me saying, yeah. I think I know what's best. I think you need to do it this way. It's all through loving. Yeah, and, and I think it was so difficult for me to see it um, because I simply wanted to help my husband find happiness again. Yep. And that's a really admirable objective. That doesn't sound like management, no. right? And, and so I just wanted to do everything I possibly could to help him be happy. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that I was actually trying to impose on him a state of what I thought was happiness. I know. And it was actually putting pressure on him. It was, it was completely counterproductive. Yeah. And again, as painful as it was, what I needed to do was step back and, and just allow him to make that choice. And it was a really, pardon the pun, penny-dropping moment <laughs> to, to realize that I can't make him happy. I can influence, I can support, I can be compassionate, I can be loving, but I need to be loving from, from here. And I need him to make that choice for himself. And quite frankly, you know, some of his choices were about being miserable for a bloody long time. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not allowed to say that, am I? Yes, you are. Um, so, and I needed to respect that. Yeah. I needed to give him that time and the space rather than, like I said, imposing imposing my version of happiness um, and that took some time to get there mm. it really did and we're both in a much um, satisfied place I wouldn't say we're yet in a happy mm. place because it's a journey but we're in a, a calmer place a more respectful place and, and quite frankly I think we've got a much better shot at getting there than, than what I was trying to do before. I really, really hope that this is a bit of um, this recording that people really hear, people really hear, mm. because I so often see how through desperately wanting 
people to do the right thing that they actually end up taking control away from the person. And you know what it's like when we feel control's taken away. We want to fight it all the time. Absolutely. We want to go down the route that we may be completely the wrong one because we're fighting against that. And so I really, really hope that people hear this. Um, the one thing that I do see, and I probably see it, I see it in my grandchildren, how my children are bringing their uh, their children up differently, but especially in my younger daughter. It's absolutely amazing to see how Grace is taking ownership for her mm -hmm. life and her decisions. You know, and I've, I've given this, I give this example on the program, and you'll probably remember it, but my God, I think it's so spot on. You know, when Grace came home saying, Mummy, I don't want to do my homework today. Now, I know what I would have done. Mm. I know what I'd have done. I'd have gone into giving all the amazing reasons as to why she needed to do it and how important it was and everything else, and I'd have said, sit down and do it. Now, if you think about it, with Grace then feeling resentful, how high would her quality of thinking be to do good homework? Mm. Probably not very good, but I'd have thinking I'm doing the best thing because I love her and I want her to do well, but all for the rest of reasons. Mm. I never did that at all. Just said, that's fine, darling. Completely ignored it however long it was, half an hour, 45 minutes before bedtime, when she just asked a question. So, darling, what are you going to tell your teacher tomorrow when you turn up with no homework? Oh, um, oh, oh, mummy, can I have a, can I have an extra 20 minutes before going to bed so I can do, you know, and I thought, God, in heck. So, all the time, it's about how can I get her to take energy. I would mm. never have done that. Mm. And that's what I did with my children, and I look back and I cringe. Mm. You know, so when you first, you and I first started talking and having some one-on-one -on -one time as well, you could imagine when you were talking about your home life, I was thinking, yeah. God, she's doing exactly <laughs> everything I did. Oh, dear. Mm. And it's great. I mean, you have a different challenge through yeah. loving somebody so much who's got, you know, had some serious physical ones and still doesn't feel the person that he was. Mm. But to see you now beginning step by step by step to begin to move through it, that to me is outstanding leadership, mm. is outstanding. And, and you, you said the right word there before, it's this whole notion of ownership, right? Mm. And, um, you know, I've, I've recognized that you, you can't make anyone own something when it comes from you. They, they, they have to discover that for themselves. And it's this, um, I'll call it twisted logic of, you know, you've got to give what you want to get. So if you want that ownership from someone, if you want, um, if you want someone to be happy, if you want someone to be committed to a cause, y you've got to give them the support to make that decision for themselves, yeah. right? You've got to give them the space to make that decision for themselves. Yeah. You may have to give them the right questions to consider, but you don't give them what you think the answer is or the direction is. Mm. Um, and that's why I call it, you know, it, it's, it's not an, an intuitive angle to look at leadership because it is about leading through letting go, right? Not, not letting go that, you know, you're uh, ambivalent, that you no longer care. Um, it's actually caring in a very different way. Um, but giving people that freedom to, to, to take the reins 
um, and, and be grown up and be mature regardless of age or, or position of, or situation. Yeah, it's, um, it's really enlightening, really enlightening. But you did something even braver. You went back to your husband and told him you'd been getting it wrong. Yes. And you actually said, I've been endeavouring to do this. And I think mm. that was, that created almost a step function in change. I really do. It did. It did. And, um, you know, no one likes to admit that they got it wrong. But I needed to do it. I needed to do it for me as much as for him. And, and I, you know, I asked for, for him to listen. I asked for him not to, not to judge, um, which, which he was wonderful at. And obviously he gave me just that space to, to say I did get it wrong. And, you know, you're an adult and it is your life. While I may want many things for it and many things for our life together, um, there's a different way for us to get there. And that does involve you making your your decisions and choices. And yes, it's um, like I said, it's it's really changed the maturity of our relationship in you know in these current circumstances. Well, I have to say that I find you really inspirational because the way you've stepped into it and you've taken it on board and said this is where I'm going to live my life in every bit of it, I think mm. is, is truly amazing. As I say, seeing you perform on the afternoon of day three, I thought, oh my God, this is a special lady. And seeing what you've done with your home life, because I know how challenging that's been. And you've shared a lot of it, for which I'm very, very grateful. Um, I just want to ask you if, you, if you just had to say no more than two sentences, what the program has done for you, just literally in two sentences, what would you say? Let me give that some thought. Two sentences. It's revolutionized the way that I lead. That's the first statement. Because the changes are, are, are big. And the way that I lead in every aspect of my life. It's really helped me understand what I'm about as a leader, more so than any other program that I've done. They would be my two, two statements. And of course, we can go into to great detail, but it's been incredibly impactful for me. And I look forward to the day you're teaching it, because that's the most powerful way to hold on to it. And you will be outstanding. You will be outstanding. Um, and I suspect there'll be people saying, oh my God, I'd love to her, have her running taking me through that three days and the experiences that she can share will be truly amazing. You're a very special lady and I want to say thank you for giving me the time and coming and chatting to me about this. And I hope that everybody who watches this, and there'll be a lot of people watching it, take a huge amount from it and that you inspire them to truly become an outstanding leader. So thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Thank you very much, Penny. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I've just had with Anna. Very interesting lady, Anna, and uh, I found it quite fascinating. And I suppose especially I feel this because I'm recording this around International Women's Day. And 
it was very interesting. I think she was about the only woman on the um, team that she was in previously. And I had the feeling, just a feeling, that maybe they hadn't understood. No, understood might be quite slightly the wrong word, but seen the potential that Anna uh, actually had. And I could see it very clearly. And the thing that was, has been so interesting to me is that she has now gone to a role which, again, is quite a male industry, and yet what she's achieving there is phenomenal. So I think it's really interesting to see on this International Women's Day whether always diversity is valued and appreciated. I think... I think sometimes it isn't. Sometimes, you know, when we have somebody who thinks differently from us, we're apt to do our best to convince them that it's really important that they think like we do. Because, of course, we have experience and we have wisdom and we really think if we can share all those thoughts and ideas, rather than saying, wow, this is a very different perspective, very different, maybe I can take something from this and learn something. So that often has been my experience. And when I look back at my life, uh, I can remember how often I used to get it wrong. Um, but mainly from my leadership perspective as being a mother, um, I was nearly always convinced that I knew better than they did because of my wisdom and experience. And so I was always giving advice, which of course is not really a great leadership behavior. But I, at those days, was firmly in management role. So I hope you found that interesting, listening to Anna. Um, she's doing incredibly well where she now is. And again, remember what I've said at the end of every podcast. If you have questions that you would like to ask me, or indeed you would like to ask Anna, please come back to me, penny at thelivingleader.com. Ask me the question or give me feedback. It is so valuable and it will enable me to do podcasts that might be even more useful for you at a later date. So please do that. And it's a pleasure to yet again be sharing these wonderful people with you. I look forward to meeting you on the next podcast.